Welcome to the Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about the future of work. Reminder listeners, you can call us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906. You can also chat with us online through Intern Pursuit's Facebook live chat. Coming up in this episode of the Intern Whisperer Live, looking for internships? Sign up with Intern Pursuit at internpursuit.tech. Our guest tonight is Nielda Packwing founder and CEO of MindGlow. They are creating the future of workplace safety training, starting with virtual reality, active shooter training. So how can people find Intern Pursuit? You can find us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And you can find Intern Pursuit's game on Facebook and Twitter, I mean. And you can go to our website, internpursuit.games, for that. You can listen to us live on Valencia College Radio, and be sure and watch us live on Facebook. Follow Intern Pursuit to get notifications when we go live. Again, you can call us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906, and chat with us online through Intern Pursuit's live chat. And just so you know, our guest is appearing from California, so if you have any questions, you can actually chat with her right here with us. Sydney? Orlando Dev is a nonprofit organization made up of a community of software developers in Orlando. Whether you love writing code or are just getting started, you're welcome to check out Orlando Dev's meetup to connect with software and IT professionals. Their website is www.orlandodevs.com. Thank you, Orlando Devs, for being a patron of the Intern Whisper Live. All right, so Intern Pursuit News. Students, do you want to work with one of our great employers or with Intern Pursuit? Go to internpursuit.tech to sign up and create your profile. Employers of all types and sizes are invited to be part of our early adopter beta program. So take advantage of special pricing by the end of December 31 this year. Contact us at info at internpursuit.tech. And if you want to play our game, go to internpursuit.games to check it out. So welcome, Nilda, to the Intern Whisper. We're so excited to have you here. I'm very excited as well. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. So we usually, our show's all about internships, and we're going to ask, uh, just to better understand you, what's your story, and be able to uh, see what your intern stories might be, but also what your journey has been as an entrepreneur and why you decided to create MindGlow. But I'm going to let Sydney go ahead and start us out on a question. Okay, our first question is, what did you major in in school and how does it reflect, I'm sorry, reflect, relate to your career path today? Yeah, great question. So I actually started my undergrad at UCLA as a business economics major, but then moved to political science uh, because I was so passionate about working, uh, doing student government, and I was involved with the youth city council in my city. And also, at the same time, I wanted to be an FBI agent. So, work, uh, so studying political science as an undergrad really fit into my interests. And eventually, I realized that my motivation to help people, protect them, keep them safe, then I realized that by using technology, I could do so on a mass scale. So I ventured into the world of tech 
in the San Francisco Bay Area, worked as a UX designer for companies like Bank of America and Sephora. And eventually I fell in love with, with virtual reality when I put on my very first headset and observed where the technology was gonna go and started my company from that. So that's really interesting. Now, I, I know nothing about UCLA other than I think it's a super prestigious school. Um, tell me, just because I'm curious, what is it considered an Ivy League school? I don't think so, but I know it's a very prestigious school. Yeah, it's definitely one of the top universities in the world. It's ranked pretty high um, from from the college rankings um, in general. So we, I believe last year or this year, we actually beat UC Berkeley wow. in the list of public, edu uh, public universities. Wow. So that was a really great, great news. And I'm sure, do you, do you by any chance have any idea how many students go? Because like here in Orlando, UCF, it's the second largest university in the country. And they have like pretty close to 66,000 students that attend. And it's always a, a race between that and Arizona State University. But I, I didn't know. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious what UCLA is. Yeah. So UCLA is a pretty big university. Um, but I think it may be around 30 or 40K. I'm yeah, not sure what the updated numbers are. But um, they're located in Los Angeles, Westwood. Uh, California, so it's a really beautiful part of Los Angeles. We have a we have our song called "Hail to the Hills of Westwood," and so it was right next to Bel Air. And I just I just remembered falling in love with the campus when I was a high school student going on a tour, and want, knew that I wanted to go to that campus. Ah, uh, yeah, I uh, graduated from here in Orlando. It's a uh, Rollins College. And it's mm -hmm. a beautiful campus also, so, you know, you can pick a campus because it's beautiful, but you always pick a campus or where you want to go because of the educational value, and UCLA is just an amazing school. So, you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I bet there's a lot of diversity there, too. There definitely was. I took advantage of a lot of extracurriculars when I was an undergrad. I was part of a sorority. I was part of student government, and I was also part of cultural groups there on campus as well. And on top of that, because it's located in greater Los Angeles, there was a lot of accessibility to different internships. As an undergrad, I took advantage of every career fair that I could um, make time for and just walked around with my resume in hand and asking different companies what kinds of internships they had available and what types of positions, what it's like to work there. So kind of like preliminary research of, of different intern opportunities. And I actually got about two of my internships from the UCLA career fairs. So that for me personally, that was very beneficial to even have a um, have those types of, uh, that type of programming for, for undergrads. So you mentioned something about sororities. Which one were you in? I was in Kappa Delta. Oh, okay, AOPI. So we're giving a shout out to each of our uh, Greek sororities there. Nice. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, Miranda, why don't you field the next question? What top three skills do you think are most valuable for a person to acquire moving into 2030? It's hard to believe 2030, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like 11 <laughs> years from now. Yeah, great question. So 
I would say the top three skills, um, considering that uh, technology and industries are constantly changing and moving very fast, the three skills that would be very beneficial is being able to rapidly learn. Mm. So being able to be very resourceful to look on, um, do some research online, watching videos, talking to people to learn as much as you can with um, whatever topic it is. Uh, also storytelling, being able to communicate very well to different types of people and not just a certain, um, not just a certain profession or a certain group or demographic. For example, uh, for me as my role as CEO, I need to communicate with developers and also business people and designers and customers. So being able to tell stories in different forms to communicate an idea is really beneficial. And a third, uh, the third skill is being curious and being open and learning how to not be overwhelmed with the information, but realizing that we're always improving as, as people and to be nice to yourself and just to take it in as it comes. I'm pretty sure Miranda likes that, be nice to yourself. That sounds like something mm -hmm. Miranda would say. Mm -hmm. um, I like the fact that you included storytelling because we've had a couple of other guests on previously where we've talked about the art of storytelling, whether it's through your resume, if it's when you're looking for a job, but you gave us a different perspective and it was really about looking at how we're telling our stories to different um, users that would come into our business life, right? Whether it's a customer mm -hmm. or a business person, um, it could be a, an outside vendor, a stakeholder, anybody that we want to have know about what we're doing. So that's uh, very valuable. And I think the gift of telling a good story is something that we all need to learn. I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of TED Talks. And I mm -hmm. think that's, and I was an English major, so it is about telling a good story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm actually taking a story, a narrative and storytelling class myself. I'm actually a part-time grad student at University of Southern California. And it's a master's program, integrated design, business, and technology. So realizing that in the future, you need to understand different fields in order to work a lot more efficiently especially as an entrepreneur, especially as a CEO. That way you could communicate between the teams, having empathy for them, and understanding what drives each type of person to push your vision forward. Mm, I like this. I, would, I want to take that class. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be it's writing big... about that, I'm going to read that article for sure. I'd love to read that. Mm -hmm. So It's a great class. Uh, it sounds really good. It's a very fancy title, but I really like what you're describing to me. Um, what was your profession, because you talked about your internships, but did you mm -hmm. migrate from internship into a job before you came into your role of owning your own company? I made quite a few career transitions in, since I was in college. So in college, I had five different internships. The first one was a legal internship with a law firm in San Francisco. The second one was a management internship at Abercrombie & Fitch in retail industry. The third was in um, a marketing internship at MGM Studios in Los Angeles, so the entertainment side of things. The fourth is an ad sales marketing internship at DirecTV, when it was DirecTV, uh, and so that was telecommunications. Then the final internship I had was 
a talent intern for a talent agency in Beverly Hills, so working with celebrities and also back in entertainment. But the first job that I had after I graduated was working as an account executive for a telecommunications company in the broadcast space. And so I did that for about four years. And then during that time, close to the end, I realized that there were some untapped skills that I had that I wanted to bring to the world, but I just didn't know how. So I did some learning after, um, after work and during my spare time to learn how to code, learn about digital marketing. And I learned about UX design and realized that this was actually a position and field that would integrate my interests, what I'm learning and interested in, and my, my experience. So I ended up packing my bags in LA, left my job, left my apartment, and moved back to San Francisco where I started working for companies like Bank of America and Sephora, designing digital products. So mobile, web, wearables, in-store digital terminals and experiences. And during that time, worked at, uh, I tried on my very first virtual reality headset during a conference in San Francisco called Game Developers Conference. And at that moment, I realized that there was so much potential in the technology and, ha and it has so much power when it comes to training. So I ended up uh, going to a lot of events in the San Francisco Bay Area to learn what creators and innovators are doing with the technology and honed in on training, on safety training, and eventually started my company from that. Well, it sounds like, with the exception of the law firm, you've worked at some mega-sized companies. I that, did. Yes, yeah. I did. So you've learned a lot from... I, I think that what most people, at least the people in the room, are... I, I don't think that what you guys uh, realize is that when you get a job, no matter what the job is... And, Sydney, I know you work on campus, mm -hmm. and, and Miranda has an off-site job, so does Hernando. Actually, everybody in the room here has a job, and they go to school. So I don't know if you consider it this way, but they're paying you money and you are actually learning how to work in a business and how to run a business. If you pay attention to it from a different perspective, not as the employee, but from a management point of view, it will change how you look at business. Um, and then you're gonna pay attention to what is it that you can bring to that business that's going to help them to do better and when you offer that as it doesn't matter if if it's at Walmart and you're a stalker on the shelf or if you're over there as a greeter or you're doing something else, um, a desk job, if you ask what it is that you could do to help improve, they're going to be really grateful for that and they're going to look at you very differently. Instead of just a, an employee that clocks in and clocks out, now you're coming to the table with uh, a business mindset and something to bring bring in there that's even more valuable to them than just a body on the floor. And I, I share that with everybody around here because, Nilda, what do you um, think? You've worked at these big, big companies, and I, I, even though I've only known you for a short time, my impression of you is that you're a real go-getter and that you come in and you, you want to be able to sit at the table. You want to be able to contribute to the conversations of, that are about growth. Would you say that there is... Uh, truth to that, uh, not just about yourself, but like advice that you would give to the people that are in the room that are all students getting ready to move into that mm -hmm. job world. Yeah. 
So what I would say is that with every experience and every internship that you have comes a lot of new skills, new ways of um, new ideas. And when you mix together different industries and different roles, innovation comes out of that. A freshness and a different perspective comes into the team that you're going to next. So for me, with every single experience that I had, I was able to tie new things from the retail industry and their entertainment industry and come up with a different process or a different idea or a different product. And that's, I would say that, that is really great value when it comes to internships and, and jobs in general. Taking, just learning whatever it is and just understanding the dynamics of of a company in different types of industries and fields. I would agree with that. So Sydney, what's our next question that we have? As entrepreneurs, we all have a passion to change problems we see in the world. Your article published on Medium called We Can't Take Safety for Granted Anymore, Active Shootings Are Part of Life, seems to be a pivotal moment where MindGlow was born. Why did you choose the name MindGlow? So the reason why I chose MindGlow is because I have a passion for learning in general. And um, I was trying to think about different ways to communicate that moment, that light bulb moment of learning something new and that revelation of, oh, this is how it ties together or, wow, I feel like I have a new superpower. So MindGlow was kind of the combination of education and that light bulb moment. But in the story, in that story, that interview that was in Medium, it was also talking about you were supposed to be someplace, you and your, a couple of your friends. Why yes. don't you share with our listeners what that story was? Because that was, to me, I went, wow, that would have been mm -hmm. scary as all get out. Right. So I wrote that article after I started working on this active shooter training in virtual reality. So I was already immersed in the topic as it is. And the product came from a realization that the current training methods of, uh, for active shooting is not effective, too traumatic, or unengaging. So that moment that I mentioned in the article was a Gilroy shooting that happened a few months ago. And personally, I already knew what, um, what can be done or what you could do, what your options are in times of crisis. Uh, during an active shooting, when you hear the sound, your main options is to run, hide, fight. You don't have time to freeze or think about your options. It needs to become an instinct. Uh, so a friend of mine invited another friend and me to the Gilroy Shooting Festival. And fortunately, we kind of backed out last minute, but we were supposed to be there on that day. And me realizing that these active shootings, they're happening a lot more frequently and a more mass scale that, you know, we, we can't not be prepared anymore. It doesn't hurt to be prepared and we need to just be ready. And right now with every single mass shooting that happens or active shooting, there's a constant debate that happens in the media, a lot of um, debate on policy change, a lot of uh, ways to combat the culture of gun violence. But while, that, while those conversations are happening, what happens to the people who are affected there at that very moment? That is what we're addressing. The way that we could save the most lives with what we have right now and the resources that we have is to prepare people for these types of events. So what was um, really intriguing for me is 
when we have hurricanes or any type of a natural disaster that comes through, um, on Facebook, on social channels, you can see, okay, mark yourself as safe as a way to communicate to people that we're okay. And I've seen that, that as, a, um, as a mechanism uh, that can come out of something that's tragic, that's not a natural disaster that's happening, whether it's an earthquake over there in California or here mm -hmm. in, you know, in Florida, we have hurricanes really more than anything. Um, but people are actually using those if, if there's a shooting, on whether it's mm -hmm. a campus or in a church we're in a mm -hmm. shopping center, and we're seeing, like you said, those things happen more quickly. And what I had really impressed me when I was reading that story, that article, was you had friends, and it was the um, the amount of time that it takes for somebody to respond and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm okay. I I didn't go. Mm -hmm. I didn't go there," because yeah. it. It, it's scary. It's scary for the other person that's sitting here going, are you safe? Mm -hmm. um, being able to react to those type of situations, what would you tell somebody by using your product that it would help them uh, in that type of a real situation? How would it work for them? So the way our product works, we use a virtual reality headset called the Oculus Go. And when you go into this experience, it will take you to a main menu with all the different modules for the training and it will teach you the sounds of the most common firearms used during an active shooting. And it turns out that a lot of people don't even know what those sounds are. So you have your handguns and your pistols, you have your shotguns and you have your semi-automatic rifles. So according to the FBI, those are the most common firearms used during an active shooting. And it's important to understand what they sound like. And in the experience, we also provide a listening drill. Another exercise is um, a lot of people get confused where the sounds of the firearms are coming from or the gun sounds are coming from. So exercising that location, um, identifying the location is a skill that we need to have. So that's in the virtual reality uh, training. Then you have the run, hide, fight method taught by the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. So with that method, we created three different activities that will help solidify and train you to react quickly. So for the run, we have an activity called quick escape. When you hear the sound of a gun, can you identify your closest exit at a fast rate? So what we do, for example, is we put you into an office setting, like a, let's say your workplace, and you hear the sound of a firearm, can you identify the exit? And how long does it take you? How many seconds? The goal is to break that freeze response that happens when you are under in crisis and not knowing what your options are. And then after that, um, that activity, we have cover and conceal that falls under hide. Can you, do you know the difference between cover and conceal? Cover can stop a bullet and conceal cannot. So when you hear the sound of a firearm, can you identify at, at a fast rate what those items are? And finally, there's improvised weapons. When the shooter actually comes into the room, can you identify what you could use as an active, um, as a as an improvised weapon? And so, in the experience too, what we do is use computer graphics rather than 360 video, because with such a such a sensitive topic, a lot of people are are worried and already scared. Uh, coming into this type of training or in that type of situation. So we wanted to make sure that 
users know the difference between what's in the virtual uh, in the virtual world and what is in the physical world and with the main goal of focusing on that behavior and also on top of that in addition to um, after every single active shooting there's always there's also the debate on who the shooter is what their demographic is we don't want to we don't want to introduce any form of bias so the shooter is actually a cardboard cutout to minimize that trauma and also to eliminate any way of introducing it. I love that. I love the fact that first you're using multiple senses. You're also um, creating a place where we've got something beeping, but we're good. Um, that you've got all of the senses being used where they can listen, they can see, they're using their cognitive thinking so that they'll be able to process quickly. That's, that's huge right there. But also at the, um, mm -hmm. at the end, when you're trying to figure out like where's that sound coming, you're, you're actually, I think, teaching the people how to stay calm in those situations and look around and really be aware of your, your um, Mm -hmm. what's going on in the space around you. Yeah. Um, I've been in virtual reality situations. Like I work outside in, inside an accelerator where there's a lot of companies that come in, but have you two ladies that are sitting across from me, have you ever tried any virtual reality? I think I have. Oh, you I have did. You put like goggles yes. on. Yes, I did. And it something was, on your hands. Yeah, well. Like. It wasn't in my hands, but it was just the goggles. I was in Philadelphia, and it was at an art museum, and they had their own virtual reality. But it wasn't, like, super spectacular. Like, it was literally just shapes moving. And I was like... Mm. Did you put goggles okay. on? What yes. Go goggles, just no gloves or anything. Oh, and you were sitting in a swing. So as you were swinging, swinging your surroundings were changing to go along with what you were seeing. Hmm. Did you feel like you were mm -hmm. swinging? Did I feel like I was swinging? I mean, honestly, the swinging and the video connected to the VR weren't really connected that way. Like, it really didn't have much to do with hmm. it. Like, you would only move your surroundings through your goggles a little bit. Oh, kind of like make it seem like you're walking, gotcha. but you're swinging. Yeah. So, yes. So, I've been in mm, virtual reality uh, situations where. I can engage with the space that I'm in. And they also had, uh, it, it felt extremely realistic, where I, I felt like I could touch something and it was right in front of me. Mm -hmm. But they also, it was set up as a uh, kind of like a medieval game where mm -hmm. there were arrows and things that were shooting at me. So I had to like duck and, and move around. And I find that to be similar to what I think Nilda's explaining here. Um, would you guys be interested in trying something like that out, both of you ladies? I would. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but yeah. Yeah. I see such huge value in it just because you both are working very open, mm -hmm. high uh, visibility positions, and lots of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. Tons of people all around you, whether it's at UCF, and we won't say where you're at, but you know we can say schools. That's fine. Um, but I think that that is really, really important uh, to know. And at many of the campuses that I've been on, they actually are doing 
uh, drills for the employees and for the students to know what to do. Um, because they may not have that technology, but they'll have, back when I was in school, it was like, oh, tornado, what are you supposed to do? Tornado. Mm -hmm. Now they're doing simulated shootings on campuses just to make sure that you all know what to do if right. something happens. I think that's important. Whenever I hear loud sounds in my office, I'm like getting ready mentally because you just never know. And you can never be too comfortable, like the article said, and you can't ever think, well, it can't happen to me. I'm sure everyone who thought it couldn't happen to them in all of this year's shootings would not have imagined mm -hmm. yeah. that it would be their school or their city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've known people that have been in these mass shootings, and it's, it, it, it hits really close to home. So it is scary. All right. Um, anyway, your product sounds amazing, Nilda. So um, we, we know that experience is obviously the best teacher there. So you're, what you're creating is a very um, visual and interactive experience so that it would help people to react, obviously, more quickly. Um, I love mm -hmm. the fact that you're wanting to reduce any type of uh, bias about who or what that looks like. And I guess... Uh, a cardboard cutout is definitely the way to go. I was thinking about it um, when I was reading the articles and you know learning a lot more about you and your product. I wanted to um, think, well, couldn't you put just like clothing on them and then a mask over their face and you know you might mm -hmm. see eyes. I mean that might personify it a little bit more to make it something that this this could be real. Uh, but I mm -hmm. love the fact that you're wanting to make sure that there's no bias. Yeah, that was definitely a big, big thing that we wanted to focus on from the very beginning, making sure that, you know, minimize trauma, minimize bias. The thing about virtual reality is that it has a higher retention rate, a much higher retention rate than learning content from reading materials and videos. If we take a look at the learning pyramid, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I am. Uh, lectures and oh are you familiar with it yeah but go ahead well? and tell our listeners okay. and that's always good so they don't know so mm -hmm. go ahead yeah absolutely <laughs> so when it comes to watching videos and reading materials and in-person um, in-person presentations the retention rate is between five percent and fifteen percent but in that pyramid the um, learning by doing falls under the 75 percent retention rate mm -hmm. and that that is through experience and being able to interact with your environment and also utilizing multiple senses. And that is what virtual reality can do. It can activate what you see, what you hear, what you sense. And in a way with, the, with some of the controllers, there's also touch as well. Mm -hmm. So you could feel the controllers vibrate. We don't have that with our experience since we're using the Oculus Go, but other devices like Oculus Quest, HTC Vive, uh, and they have um, they have haptic feedback when it comes to interacting with objects in the virtual space. So you, using multiple senses increases that retention rate and also uh, makes it more engaging than just watching videos right now. So I don't know if you know this or not, but I used to teach in the public classroom, and I taught middle and high school uh, English. Mm -hmm. Then I moved over into teaching in higher ed as an adjunct professor. Uh, everything mm -hmm. about learning is always about the experience. So there's obviously in traditional settings, you can listen and then you can see. 
but anything that is hands-on that's kinetic, it always engages that learner more actively in the whole situation. And it does, you're absolutely right. It reinforces something at a very, very different level where it becomes um, something that is obtained and actually uh, processed way more quickly. So that is, um, that is always a good thing. So I like experience, uh, anything that's an experiential learning opportunity, <clears throat> which is why I'm a big fan of internships. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think the simulation and virtual reality industry will look like 10 to 20 years from now? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know that we are going in December to the ITSEC conference, I-T-S-E-C. And ITSEC is the biggest conference in the world that's in that training and learning and um, simulation and VR space. It brings together all types of government and defense, um, hospital. Let's see, not hospitality, but they're spending a lot more, a lot more money in there. Um, entertainment, education, and also healthcare. All of these big giant industry sectors together, and the technology that's on the floor is amazing. There's mannequins that look like real, honest to goodness people. People, they use it in simulated healthcare situations, like if there was a war. And how do they put a tourniquet on somebody to make them stop from bleeding out? They'll have, you know, animals. They look like a real dog, and it might be like a bomb dog that's there to sniff things out. Um, that's super interesting. Uh, they have children, all different types of mannequins that look very, very real. The um, other thing, this was a super cool uh, interactive piece of um, technology that was there, was... Instead of putting on the goggles and the, the gloves to experience it, and instead of having to climb into a booth to do virtual reality, that was a giant floor. And I want to say it was probably like 25 by 25 uh, feet around. That's pretty big. Um, it, it felt like I was actually in a helicopter. When you were on that floor, the vibrations felt would be like if you were sitting in the actual helicopter it was moving super fast and swooping all around and so I honestly felt myself weaving to the right and to the left just like what was in the helicopter and it was it was amazing and it was loud it was everything that one would experience in, in there and it was a military um I don't want to say it was a military product, but it was created by the defense sector for military training. That's really where it, mm -hmm. it fell into. But that's why I'm saying 10 to 20 years out, I mean, nobody was thinking that it was going to be like that, where now I'm not tethered to any type of um, a piece of mm -hmm. equipment. It's, it's actually a big, giant screen in front of me, so it felt like, like a movie screen. It was as big as that. And then I'm on this floor in front of it, and it truly did feel that way. But what do you think mm -hmm. it's going to look like 10 to 20 years out from now? Because that's like right around the corner 10 years out. Yeah, that is true. Um, I guess actually adding to your experience with that, uh, with that simulator that you went, uh, you went through, my very first simulator experience was in 2012 or 13, uh, when one of my sorority sisters, she was graduating from her flight school as part of uh, as part of the Navy. She's a helicopter pilot. And I flew all the way to Pensacola, Florida, went to the Navy base there. 
and actually got to see her simulator, the simulator she used to train before she went into an actual helicopter to, to fly. So a lot of these simulators, they started off in the military, but I feel like in 20 to 30 years from now, it will be a lot more common to see it in the workplace in general because the training is going to be a lot more flexible. People could take it at their own time instead of setting up an entire group of people to train at the exact same time. It's going to be a lot more personalized for the user as well. You'll be able to control what you see. And also, it's just a more cost-effective way of providing training in general. So I see in 20 to 30 years, it becomes a lot more uh, a lot more main, mainstream outside of the military in in all the enterprise companies and also in the consumer level as well. Being a, imagine being able to learn how to snowboard before you even go down the slopes. Oh yeah, that would be great. Now, my brother is a uh, helicopter pilot. He flies for the Army, and he took me also in the simulator that they did, and, uh, that they use when he, he also teaches, and it was amazing. I, I felt like I was in the real thing. I, I could not believe that it wasn't, but it was truly, and that was a long time ago. Way more um, technological advances have occurred since that time because he was just in, I want to say it was probably like 15 years ago when they were first coming out with it, or maybe even, yeah, maybe even a little bit longer, 20. But he had just joined, and he, he went up the ranks in the Army pretty fast, and um, he's one of the few people that's uh, still in there, but he teaches. Um, I may have to go to Fort Rucker with him and just see, like, what's going on over at that fort because uh, they are, they're allowed to take family members in there, and that's a, a pretty cool experience. So if you guys know of anybody that's in the military and you can see some of that technology, really would suggest that. They tend to be a lot more advanced when it comes to technology in general. Oh, yeah. So... It yeah. travels from the military to to regular consumers. Uh, for example, internet was actually first used in the military and eventually came down to us. So that tends to be the path: military, enterprise, or companies, yeah. and then consumers. Yep, yep, I would agree with you. Well, we're going to take a break. Miranda, would you go ahead and do a uh, little promo here, a shout out for Starter Studio? Yep. Starter Studio is a pioneering hub for innovative and tech-enabled entrepreneurs that empowers and provides resources for entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators to begin, grow, and flourish in Central Florida. They offer open community educational programs, accelerators, funding, and collaborative workspaces. Starter Studio fosters a community serving as a platform for ideas of the future. Their website is starterstudio.org. Thank you, Starter Studio, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer Live. All right, so we're coming back in for part two. So, Miranda, why don't you uh, go ahead and ask our next question? Okay. Your website has an active shooter safety protocol download with guidelines on what to do when an active shooting happens. With shootings occurring in places that we think we are safe, this is vital information. So that's a different, sorry, I didn't have the right. question there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a download form. So that's not going through the actual training that you were talking about earlier. What would this download be? How is that different from what the actual training is? 
So the difference is that it just provides you with a few pieces of guidelines on what to do if the shooter is inside, what do you do when the shooter is outside, what do you, um, what do you communicate when, uh, when looking for help and calling, calling law enforcement, and what to do when law enforcement comes. So it's more of a, it's more of a download. It's a re, um, reading material on giving you uh, of what to do when active shooting happens. So it is very different from the virtual reality experience where you are in a very immersive experience and learning how it feels like to be in a situation like that and how to and building that instinct through experience. Got it. Is this something that would be age appropriate to teach in schools? I would say it would depend on the schools and what uh, students are there. So the content that we create is not for K to 12. It's more focused on the workplace because a lot of active shootings do happen in the workplace, according to the FBI. So at the moment, the material that we create is not meant for uh, for for little children. Oh, I got it. I was really it's thinking more, more of like, you know, like high school, really, maybe middle school, but high school. It's sad. I mean, they make backpacks now with metal shields mm -hmm. in them to protect the kids. And it's just yeah, and and in the uh, high schools and the middle schools that I've been to in in Orlando, they have um, also changed it so that the teachers can lock the doors from the inside. Um, it's it's really there to protect the the kids but the teacher can lock it and a shooter cannot come into the classroom that way and it's just mm -hmm. it's sad I find it sad okay Miranda so now you can ask that next question okay well how's your entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey been like the highs and the lows I think the highs is like woohoo we're in NASDAQ's a milestone part <laughs> maker right that is right you and I are both in the NASDAQ program and it's uh, I would say the most exciting part of being an entrepreneur is meeting such amazing people and being surrounded by creators who are very passionate about what they do and that internal drive to make things happen and provide value to the world. So for me, it's all about the experience of, of that and just meeting fascinating people. The lows. So it's important to talk about where, that, don't you think? Because uh -huh. like, if we only talk about all of the great stuff, I don't think it gives a very <laughs> balanced view as to what it is because the lows mm -hmm. is like, how do we get out of that pit of despair? <laughs> that is true. Um, the lows, rather than calling it lows, I would just say challenges because yeah. challenges are temporary and very solution focused. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, That's a good, good way of saying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier about the skills, um, you know, three skills I would say would be very valuable for um, for the future. One is rapid learning, another is storytelling, and a third is curiosity and openness. When you are experiencing, uh, for me, when I'm experiencing a challenge, I get the feeling of being lost and trying to figure out who can I turn to, what resources can I go to to help me understand this. So that's where the rapid learning skill comes in, where I start looking online to see what resources are around, um, are available and read through that. I start um, reaching out to my network and people that I know, people I've worked with in the past, people, uh, new people that I, um, that I need to, um, new people that I haven't met yet but would like to meet to help me understand it. 
And that's where I start getting that foundation of how do I solve this, um, this challenge that I'm facing. And of course, being curious and open. If you're not curious or open to learning, then you're going to be stuck in a way and you won't move forward in, to find a solution. So the lows, are good. More, the lows and challenges are more of, I am lost, I need to figure out what to do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so, so very true. Um, and I, I think I'm going to reframe some of my thinking there. So thanks for sharing that. So, Sydney, go ahead and field our next question. Okay, so we know you worked as an intern. Um, I want to know which internship was your favorite and which one do you think you learned the most from? Hmm. That is a good question because there are so many. <laughs> I would say that they all had their perks. So going through the management internship with that uh, with a retail company that helped me I was able to interact with the employees in an entire store and sometimes my manager would actually give me an hour of managing the entire store by myself so there was that feeling of autonomy in extreme hands-on learning and understanding all the different aspects of running a store which is running a business you deal with HR you deal with um, with finance, you deal with operations and reporting, all of that all in one. So I learned quite a lot and extremely hands-on. I would say another fun one was working at a, at the talent agency because I, working in Hollywood, it's, I've always been fascinated about what that was going to be like, working with celebrities and trying to stay calm when your favorite celebrity walks through the door and pretending that, you know, like, hey, this is, this happens to me every single day, no biggie, but it's actually pretty, pretty interesting going through that, um, through that experience and helping the, the assistants and the agents out as well. So those, those two are a couple of my favorites. Yeah. And um, I know that Sydney's showing me a note, and I'm saying, yeah, you should ask that question because you mentioned something that is right up her area of interest. Ask her. Yes, you did. Okay. So you said you worked at a talent agency. Now, I feel like I have two career goals or two career paths I can go in. One is working as um, working with a talent agency, um, spe more specifically in casting, and the other is working as a show producer, whether that be radio or talk show or a like a fictional show. So, what did you do to get your internship with that company? And what advice do you have mm -hmm. for little old me? For her, yeah, specifically for uh -huh. her, yes. Um, so for me, I think it, I think it helped uh, for me to be in L.A. because that is pretty much the capital of entertainment. I got right. my internship at MGM Studios because my sorority, um, someone who was in my sorority in a different university uh, worked there as a marketing manager. And she wanted to recruit people who are from her sorority. So conveniently, UCLA was right next door and she reached out and and I applied and I got in. Uh, for the talent agency, I actually applied through my school's career center. So just being open to that and then applying and then I got a response back and and decided to go, go for it. I didn't realize that the talent agency was the agency that I worked in, but that was, um, that's how I got those two opportunities. But I would say for you, I, networking 
with mm -hmm. people in the entertainment field would be very beneficial. The more they know about you and what you're doing, uh, the better, and what you're aspiring, um, what what you're working towards, um, the better. And being being persistent with that would be very uh, would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's going to be so competitive. You're right. going to have to be persistent. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to stand out. Because there is, um, and I'll use this as the example, one of the people that's on the game team, um, she's a concept artist, and it's Nicole. And I'm going to go ahead and just mention this. Hey, Nicole. Uh, yeah, hey, Nicole. Um, she was very, very persistent. She kept going, no, I want a job here. I want to be able to work with you. I want to work in this company. And I said, yeah, but we're really looking for 3D artists. We're really looking for, you know, different types of artists, and it wasn't concept. So the thing that stood out is I, she, I think it was like every two days, she kept asking, and I went, you know what? Come on in. Let, we're going to figure out where it is that you can uh, plug into here. So it, mm -hmm. it did, persistence paid off in that instance. Um, and I think that you should ask Nilda if she still has contacts. You know, maybe mm. you never know. Okay, so Nilda. That but that would be like <laughs> off the air kind of right. conversation after the show. Mm -hmm. So after we you should off. connect with her on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. I will. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be good. Do you have any questions that you're I was holding back add on? Her on LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think another thing for uh, finding internships too is joining industry groups and associations and attending conferences yes, where that type of position goes to. Yeah. Because that networking, that in-person interaction helps them remember you. And they see that you're, they see you're relevant, they see your personality, they see, and then when you have a conversation with them, they'll learn more about what you're looking for and seeing if it, there's a fit within their company as well. So. That would be very beneficial for me personally. When whenever I transition from one industry to another, I've always joined Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups, and then started observing who the players are and who and what they're uh, what they're contributing, and start participating in the conversation, providing value to the community as much as I can, and that tends to help quite a bit. They see your name, they see what you know, and what you're what kind of value you could provide and when it comes to finding a position they they're already familiar with your name i think that's really great advice i have always told students to join the uh, the real professional associations the ones on campus are great but you know you're not interacting with a lot of employers that way so when you join the ones that are in the industry and mm -hmm. in the profession that you're looking for you begin to establish real relationships with people that can um, get to know you and potentially hire you. So it's one of those, it seems obvious, but apparently it's not obvious. Um, so we're going to jump to here. We're getting really close to the end. How can people find you? What's your website and your phone number, social channels, any of that information? What do you want our listeners to know about you and your, your company? Sure. So the website for MindGlow Inc. is www.mindglowinc.com and you could email me through um, my, my work email, n-e-i-l-d-a at mindglowinc.com and also you could give me a call, 415-498-0624 uh, and with, in regards to social media handles, 
at Nelda Like Zelda. <laughs> That's cute. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's uh, easy to remember. Yep. So are you on, is the company on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, the company profiles? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, okay. If you if you search MindGlow Inc. In the, um, on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, you should be able to find us. And I'm pretty sure you have all of those also connected on your website, right? Yes, I do. There you go. So people can find you. All right. So mm -hmm. we're going to um, we're going to bypass our transition, uh, jump right into thank you, Valencia College. We love you, Q. We love all of the staff here that opened the doors for us, let us into the studio. We get to use this great equipment and be in this amazing studio and on this very safe campus, I will say. Um, so let's do shout out. Sydney? Shout out to Nilda who is giving all of the good career advice and when would I ever have another opportunity to talk to somebody who worked in a talent agency other than here. Mm -hmm. That's another shout out to Isabella oh, for you. booking you for today's show. This is a great episode. Excellent. Miranda. Shout out to everyone here and all the supporters of this show and my friends and family. I was wondering, because you usually know friends and family. But tonight you mixed it up. Switch it up. You gave extra shout-outs to everybody in the room here, too. So that's good. And our, our listeners. Okay, so Nilda, who's your shout-outs for? Okay. Well, first shout-out is to you, Isabella. Thank, oh, thank you so you. much for having me on the show. And NASDAQ Milestone Makers for introducing me to you. And you know where we are right now. And also... My investors, my mentors, my advi my advisors, and also my team for helping make this happen. I know we have so much more to go, but we've gone pretty far. Yep. And my shout-outs go to my team, also the people in the room, the people that are extended outside of this room, um, to our listeners also, and to our, our uh, beta pilot uh, employers and the interns that are working with them. I mean, this is an amazing experience. I'm grateful for everybody that's a part of this journey. So how can you find the Intern Whisperer? You can go to info at internpursuit.tech. You can find us on our website, www.internpursuit.tech. You'll find phone numbers, all of our social channels there. Um, you can Again, you can watch us live on the air here on Facebook and also live at Valencia College Radio. And look for us on your favorite podcast channels. Look for The Intern Whisperer, and you can also look for us on YouTube. And as we close our show, we want to thank you for listening to us. So take us out, Sydney. <laughs>